Welcome to the Table for One podcast, a podcast for those of you who are cooking for one. You'll find interviews with people who are cooking for one, nutrition tips, cooking tricks, and other practical topics for all my single listeners, and all without the mention of dieting or restriction because, well, dieting just kind of sucks. So join me as I explore the realities, the challenges, and highlight the joys of cooking for one in this busy world. I am so excited to bring you my interview with Nicole. Nicole is a friend of mine. We've known each other for a couple of years, and she is currently working as an autism aide. She coaches families who are undergoing various medical treatments, um, and she works about 40 hours a week at that job. She also enjoys reading and exploring new parts of town and adding to her plant collection. Nicole and I had really a fabulous conversation, and at the end of it, I really recognized a lot of the aspects of cooking and food that I really enjoy through listening to her story, and I'm really excited to share that with you. Um, Nicole really thinks of food as being art, and, and really learned to get creative with cooking and developed a love for cooking creative recipes and kind of playing around with food. She she really thinks of cooking um as as something that really incorporates failure. That failure is really the process of or part of the process of cooking and by recognizing that she's re- realized for herself that she doesn't find herself so caught up in the outcome of you know, the outcome of her recipes turning out perfectly or how she expects it. And that allows her to really look forward to spending time in the kitchen and to experience cooking and realize um, that it's a way for her to interact and connect with her food and really enjoy the process. Again, that comes back to getting creative in the kitchen and also not thinking of failure as a negative thing. It's just part of the process. As far as ways that Nicole has made cooking easier for her, she has found it really helpful to go to the grocery store. She particularly likes Whole Foods or Harmons, which are both local in Utah, or Harmons is at least. Um, and she likes to get pre-chopped and also pre-cooked vegetables. So that way she doesn't have to spend the time to cook those vegetables and she can add them to like some sort of a grain bowl or something that she um, can throw together more quickly and really to be able to enjoy the flavor of, of that Um, ingredient. She also has a great tip to buy favorite dressings at restaurants. So again, she lives in Utah. Cubby's is kind of a like burger and salad place. And she shared one of her favorite dressings there. And she said that she can, she's just asked to buy it before and they've um, sold it to her. So that's a really great tip too, to be able to have, you know, delicious salad, um, dressings that you could use on salads and also other, other foods as well. Um, again, we had such a great conversation and I really, really love talking to her and I think you're going to enjoy this episode. All right. Well, thanks so much for joining me, Nicole. I'm excited to talk to you a little bit about, about what it's like for you to cook for one. 
Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. Mm, yeah, me too. Thanks. So let's get started. Tell a little bit about yourself and then um, share a little bit about what it was like for you eating um, as you were growing up. Okay. Well, um, I am 27. I live in Salt Lake and I, I like to say I'm a foodie, but who's that one, that Indian guy who got in a bunch of trouble in the media recently? He's a comedian. Anesh D'Souza, is that his name? I have, I'm not sure what, what happened. Well, he, he just, he is a foodie who doesn't like the word foodie. So I feel like oh. I'm really self-conscious when I say I'm a foodie, but anyway, that's super tangential. That's okay. Um, that's okay. It's, you know, if you, if you embrace it, if you like it, use it. And if you don't, then I guess you can call yourself somebody who enjoys food. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Okay. Well, I enjoy food and, um, I, I like to think that food is art, so I don't know, oh. but I, I like a lot of different things and I love diversity and getting to know different people and trying new restaurants. And, um, in terms of growing up, I, I, my household was very kind of experimental. My mom was always entering cooking contests. And so she was kind of in the mindset of coming up with creative meals a lot. And we would eat things like, um, like eggs benedict caribbean style with like a mango chutney or think like kind of fun unusual dishes like that and and we were encouraged to make up our own foods too as kids so i remember making like a bright red cake with lots of berries and i don't know just lots of fun experimenting stuff in the house and so we would eat i i can't really think of a lot of kind of classic traditional meals that we had frequently it was it was more like different inventive foods all the time so but i like that it was it was good Wow, that is that's so unique. Um, tell me a little. I mean, how has that affected how you like approach food now? Whether it's like relationship with food or like cooking, I'm I'm curious about you know how that affects you now. Um, I think I I am I have less fear maybe than someone who might have grown up without that type of atmosphere. So like, if I don't know, if, if a recipe fails, I don't feel like, oh no, I can't cook. It's just like, oh, well, that's just part of the experimenting process. And so it's, it's really fun to cook because I'm not as worried about the outcome being perfect. And I'm, I'm able to kind of incorporate interesting stuff. And a lot of times it works out really well. And when it doesn't, that's okay. And it just is a, a teaching opportunity. So, so yeah, I, I think it's, it's been a good influence, I would say. Oh, that's so cool. I think, cause I talk a lot about treating cooking as an experiment and, and mm. it really does help reduce the stress and kind of that anxiety about, you know, is this going to work out? Is it not? And then, you know, you don't, you don't take it personally, do you? Right. Yeah, no, that's such a powerful approach. I think that is so cool. That's, I think a lot of us can learn from that. I think that's fantastic. Thanks. Well, I'm glad that you promote that too. <laughs> so other side note about um, cooking at your house growing up. So was what's the most unique thing that you ate as a kid? I mean, could you choose one or two? My goodness. Well, this might not sound unique to people from maybe like the South, but my dad is from Louisiana and he would, he would make grits for us a lot. And I, when I talk to a lot of my friends, they're like, what the heck is that? And then I explain and they're like, Oh, that's so weird. And it's just a really like 
a bowl of like corn type of grain, tiny little couscous granules. And it's, it's, I love grits, but I think to some people that's like really bizarre. So in a way that's like the most plain thing I would eat, but also like two people from maybe like the West also very unique. So they eat grits with, with like shrimp and cheese on it. Or, um, I think a lot of desserts were, were a little bit bizarre, like a bizarre sounds negative, but creative. Yeah. (laughs) A little bit different than what people around you were eating maybe. Yeah. Yeah. So a lot of like just fun flavors. I don't know. That's such a vague answer, but I just, there's so many like colorful things going through my mind that I don't even know what to which pick. <laughs> that's totally fine. They might, they might come out through our conversation. That's, you know, that's so interesting. Cause I think, so you grew up in California, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I grew up in Washington and I, you know, like you just said two West coast girls, yeah. I, I don't know if I knew what grits were. Um, I, I mean, I do now and I feel like I've had them. I was in New Orleans in January um, at an event and we ate, I think, I I think we ate grits. I think so. I can imagine what they taste like, but I don't have any recollections other than this one that I think that I had just because I was in New Orleans and that's Mm. part of, you know, the typical food there. Um, But yeah, it is a little bit unique for those of us who grew up on the West coast. So yeah, that's interesting. I'm happy that you had it in New Orleans though. That's was probably a very high quality experience, I hope. Yeah, and it, I'm kind of embarrassed that I don't remember what it was. I mean, we had lots of different foods and um, I'm kind of imagining that it was something along the lines of like shrimp and grits. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I, you know, it was not long ago, but I honestly don't remember. <laughs> You'll just have to go back. Yeah. Oh, I want to go so bad. I love New Orleans. It was really fun. Um, but yeah, oh, that's so interesting. I think, yeah, like we talked about, again, that experimentation it can be such a productive way to approach eating and cooking too. You know, it kind of opens your mind to trying different things and takes the pressure or the, um, I don't know, like the frustration or the, um, the negative side out of, out of recipes not turning out. And that's, it's really okay. I mean, you have to throw it away, but that's not the worst thing in the world. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Totally. I think it's better to, to try and not get it right than to never venture out. Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of times we get so caught up in, in just trying to, um, well, this really isn't related, but I think it's interesting that we, a lot of people just cook to cook and that's totally fine. But if you're somebody who identifies like the two of us do as people who like food, (laughs) then, (laughs) then, you know, there's some space to play around with that and, Mm -hmm. and it doesn't have to take a lot of time. Tell me about your experience with experimenting with food and making that fit within, within your lifestyle. Oh man. I mean, I think as we're both like working single ladies and Mm -hmm. it it can, it can be kind of time consuming to make any food, let alone inventive food. And so that's been um, probably like one of the harder parts of wanting to be a creative cook. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, when I do have only a little bit of downtime on certain days, 
it can be such a, um, a stress reliever. So just coming home and knowing, okay, at least I can make something fun in the kitchen today. Um, so that's a, a positive element of that, but it's kind of yeah. like a, I guess like a double edged sword. Like it's like, I want to do something that's qualities. So I don't have enough time to do it, but at the same time, like I can count on using my time for that since I do like create my own schedule. So, but, um, yeah, I don't know. Does that kind of answer that question? Yeah, yeah, no, it does. And I think, so it sounds to me like you really enjoy cooking. So yeah. even if it is more than 15, 20 minutes, it's a process that might be relaxing for you. Yeah, definitely. I, I think so. It, because it's, it's like such a sensory experience when you're cooking for yourself and, and by yourself and like from scratch, it's, you're seeing things that you don't see at the grocery store and the restaurants sometimes you're you're kind of using ingredients and respecting them for every phase they go through and smelling things and and just like feeling the different textures it's it's fun it's it's definitely a stress reliever it's like when people kind of like put their hands in sand and they just like squeeze the sand and it's this sort of nonsensical but like tranquil experience do you know what I'm talking about like at the beach where you just like put your hand in the sand yeah no I totally do especially when it's like cold underneath the surface it feels yeah 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 Yeah. just moments like that in cooking where it's not literally sand but it's it's one of those just connective things it's it's an experience like you talked about when at the very beginning of this about how it's kind of like art for you and that makes sense it's it's an experiment but it's also very interactive and you're experiencing just the scents and the flavors and the textures of that food. And I think it's, I think when we're so rushed and, and not to say that we are going to have times when we're really rushed or when we're really stressed out about cooking or other things where we're not going to be able to experience that, but there's something really powerful about taking a minute, even if it is something really fast but still taking that time to experience that food. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. That's, that's great. I I really like that um, approach. And again, going, we're going to say experiment like a million times (laughs) in, in this, but I think that's such, again, you're really being able to enjoy the process and it, it takes, I mean, kind of a whole other world opens up when you take that expectation out of it, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. That's a good way to put it. A whole other world opens up. Awesome. Pressure free. Yeah. Pressure free. It's kind of a beautiful thing, but it's also, I mean, I'm guessing for a lot of people that just seems totally unrealistic. Right. Um, <laughs> so have you, so kind of to, to go that direction, um, you're busy And you also like to cook and you like to take time to cook and, and, you know, enjoy the process as you've already um, shared. Do you have any hacks or anything that you feel like helps you make the process easier without taking that like connection out of it? If that makes sense. Yes. One of my favorite things to do, and I do this probably at least once a week is at Whole Foods or other, um, big grocery stores they have mm-hmm. a salad bar with more than just salad greens they have like pre-roasted sweet potato and all this all sorts of stuff and I love to go there and just get a bunch of kind of pre-chopped pre-steamed or 
or otherwise pre-prepared. Uh, I guess I don't need to say pre in front of prepared, but um, well, I think you do because it's you buy it that way, right? That's yeah, that's true. Um, <laughs> I know, <right>? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. and, and kind of like you said, I mean, the, that dressing doesn't only have to go on a salad. You could put on a grain bowl. You could marinate. Mm-hmm you know, like tofu in it, you can marinate chicken in it, you can marinate or just, or just use that as a sauce for whatever it is that you're making. So absolutely, that's a lot of different ways to use it. Yeah. It's, it's a, it can really liven up a meal. Oh, what a great idea. I, I, that's fantastic. Thanks for sharing. (laughs) No problem. (laughs) So speaking of easy meals and kind of the things that you've talked about, let's, let's kind of get specific here. So what, what does your normal week of eating look like? Is there any consistency for you? Um, you know, there, I want to say yes, there's consistency, but if I'm being totally honest, my, my weeks are not consistent because I think, you know, I'm just, I get bored of things and I, some days are so busy and some are not as busy. So I, I don't really have like, I don't really plan out meals as far as like a month out. It's usually kind of a few days in advance, but, um, specific meals, it totally, I mix it up a lot. Like I'll, I'll try to have like an Indian inspired meal one day and then I'll have more of a Mexican or Japanese type of meal. Um, they usually revolve around fruits and vegetables, if that <laughs> makes sense. Yeah, totally. Thanks for sharing. And I think having some sort of like a guide, you know, if, if, if the whole, like any option is, is a little bit overwhelming for you, which I'm sure that there's a lot of people who feel that way. And I definitely find myself feeling that way. Like I have so many options. I could cook 10 things out of my pantry right now. Where do I go from here? Right. Away. Like, maybe have some, some, you know, certain green vegetables on hand, maybe have certain, you know, fruits on hand and have those that you can kind of throw together to add a lot of variety to what it is that you're eating and, but still have a little bit of structure. So I guess that structure could come from whatever um, Mm -hmm. and just find something that works for you. And as it seems that you found um, that that is helpful for you to, have kind of a way to plan without actually planning ahead. Yeah. Kind of awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. I like that plan without actually planning, but yeah. yeah, that is kind of how it is. Yeah. So it sounds like you're fairly like you plan meals similarly to me where you maybe have something kind of, you know, in the back of your mind, but not necessarily go and, you know, get all of the ingredients for the full week and then move forward. Um, Mm-hmm. Are there, do you, do you plan your meals out? Um, and, and that could be, you know, like you said, just a couple of days out. Um, tell me a little bit about meal planning. Um, I will, I, I like to prep things. Um, if I'm not going to the whole foods salad bar and buying things pre-chopped mm-hmm. and I'm going to try to do it all myself, then I try to pick a day and just like get all my greens out. And I like to have my salad greens like really finely chopped. So I'll do that all in one big group. And then I'll kind of like steam something and make a little sauce and open up bags that like if I bought an Indian sauce in a bag or something, I'll try to like open that ahead of time. So I've, I've got things at the ready and then I can kind of be like, Oh, today looks like the easiest thing to make is, is like a squash soup or I don't know. That's actually probably not that easy, but, um, <laughs> but I'll, um, what you have I'll, done already. Right. Yeah, exactly. So I'll kind of do it that way. 
um, I'll just have all my stuff ready to go. And then um, sometimes I'll make things the night before, especially like during the week when I'm going to work in the morning, I'll, um, I'll get out my little reusable containers and put a bunch of stuff in them. And, and then I've got meals that don't always have names. They're more just like ingredients compiled together. vegetables. <laughs> yeah. So I'm um, kind of taking what you just said and going back to the experimentation that you, um, that, that you did as a kid cooking, did, were there any resources that you found to be helpful when learning how to like pair different ingredients? Cause I think for a lot of people, mm-hmm. that's really overwhelming. Yeah. Um, I think reading a lot of cookbooks was helpful mm-hmm. for me. Um, okay. when I went away to college, I had like, of course, watched my mom cook and done some experimenting. But when I was kind of like making my own meals for the first time, instead of just making elements of meals, I, I looked at some blogs and I read some cookbooks and I, I just kind of would try to listen to the words of those who seemed experienced and not just look at the ingredients and recipes, but try to find the ones that have like a little bit of a paragraph before they're like, this is a meal I like to make because of this. And um, I don't know, like glean wisdom as well as like observe the portions, if, if that makes sense. Like yeah. trying to sort of just like look at the history, not history, but the, at the information. <laughs> that's yeah. Already out there. And, um, yeah. I think that was really helpful. Okay. Cause I, I mean, well, and this is true in so many different ways, but, um, or just different avenues, I guess, but learning like the backstory to something helps ingrain whatever it is that you're learning um, because you have something to connect it with, whether it's connecting like your own experiences or just, you know, learning a little bit more and then having a little bit more holistic or rounded view, I guess, as opposed to just these two ingredients work well together. Now I have to memorize that, you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, that's such yeah. an, that's an interesting perspective. I think that's really cool. Do you have any specific cookbooks that you found to be really helpful as you've been learning? Um, my favorite cookbook is called At Home in the Whole Foods Kitchen, and it's not Whole Foods, the grocery store. <laughs> it's oh, it's not. not. <laughs> it's not. I, I sound like I'm like a campaigner for them. But, this is um, an ad for Whole Foods yeah. that we're not getting paid for. Congratulations to them. <laughs> uh, no, it's, um, it's, she's an Australian chef named Amy Chaplin, and she is so, in my opinion, so cool. Um, yeah, so it's called At Home in the Whole Food Kitchen, and it's, I said Whole Foods the first time, but it's Whole Food. Oh, Whole Kitchen. Food, okay. Yeah, and um, she, it's, it's a pretty big one, and her photos are so beautiful, and her, what, one thing I love is that she has great recipes, but she also takes a big chunk of the book to go through her own pantry essentials, and why she uses her essentials, like, not only um, different items like food items, but also the um, the tools that she uses. And so she just is really clear and open about the normal stuff she uses day to day. So that is, I would say, the most comprehensive cookbook that I've um, looked at. And I just, I still use it so often. I love it. That's fantastic. So remind me of the name. It's something, something at, whole food. It's at home in the whole food kitchen. Okay. That's fantastic. Yeah. So it's not just a cookbook, but it's a book to read. 
Yeah, I I mean, I would say so. I mean, you could just, you know, thumb through and find recipes, but it's it's a great read if you read the whole thing. Awesome. That's fantastic. Thanks for sharing. So I, I lost track of time. I've really enjoyed our conversation so far. So I'm, I'd like to ask a little bit about like struggles with feeding yourself. So what are the biggest roadblocks for you in your, you know, cooking life right now? Um, I think other than just like time and not, not getting to cook creatively every day which is sometimes disappointing I think the the other big struggle and it's it really is not a big struggle um (laughs) is that I so often eat socially and um and it's that's a good thing but sometimes I I don't like uh have those experiences making nutritious experimental types of foods and so it's it's like um I don't know. It's like trading a good thing for another good thing. So it, it's, I'm trying to decide if it's really a bad thing in the first place, but <laughs> it's, it's sort of like I, I eat out a lot with my friends and, and that is so great, but that can also mean that I'm not using that time to make meals for the next day or, um, or eating food that makes me feel energetic. And um, I'm all for eating all types of food and not, you know, being so like Spartan that you're like, I will only eat foods that make me, you know what I mean? Like, like eat lots of food and all types of food. But, um, but if you eat out all the time, it's just, it doesn't always feel so great. So, um, so yeah, I don't know, maybe that doesn't even make sense, but I would say just being so social, it can sometimes be harder to, to spend time in the kitchen. Yeah. Well, and I think, I mean, I think that's a common experience for our generation, particularly those who are single, you know, I mean, like Mm -hmm. if you're getting together with friends, what do you do? You usually go out to eat or do, you know, something that involves food and it's such a wonderful experience and a great way to get together. And, you know, I mean, you can spend hours at the dinner table and, and enjoying good food and also good company. But yeah, if you, again, like the two of us who really enjoy food and find a lot of meaning and, um, just really enjoy the process of cooking, then you can, I mean, you completely lose that and that connection with food. Um, if you're getting it out at a restaurant. So that is interesting conundrum, I guess. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But I think too, I mean, I, I haven't talked about it on the podcast, but I have, um, on, on nourish nutrition blog. I, and I need to get back into it because I haven't done a whole lot this summer because things have been busy, but I'm a huge advocate for having dinner parties. Mm-hmm. It's such a great excuse to get together and you know in a more intimate private setting, um, and you know you can be as loud as you want and or, and you know stay as long as you want to, which can be mm-hmm. nice. But you yeah. can also kind of get to know your friends or or you know other people in a different way by seeing you know what it is that they bring. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. Is it, it it can be an enlightening experience when you're like, oh, I didn't know this person had an affinity for Korean barbecue. Like that's so cool. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And just just to be able to share your love of cooking with others. Obviously, that's um I hear it all the time, especially for people cooking for one that 
don't like so much cooking for yourself, but if you can share that with somebody else, it's a really enjoyable, fun, rewarding experience. And, um, that's always not the, an option, you know, life happens and you can't always plan ahead as much, but mm-hmm. to be able to do that in some way can be really rewarding. Yeah. Yeah. I would totally agree with that. Oh, so that inspires me. I want to have a dinner party now. Okay. Invite me. <laughs> <laughs> Deal. Okay, great. But it is, I mean, it's a great way and you don't have to, I mean, you can have lots of great food without having to put a whole lot of effort into it because you're making one dish. And I, and yeah. I'm saying the dinner, sorry, I should have clarified. I'm a huge fan of potlucks. That's what we're talking about here. Potlucks. Mm-hmm. So yes. Everybody bring a component of that, you know, like a different aspect of the a different dish is what I'm trying to say. And, um, it's a, yeah, it's a great way to connect with friends or people, you know, new people. And, um, I'm just rambling. So yeah, no, no, this is, I love this. That's great. Well, it, that is kind of about it. Is there any last, any last wisdom or anything else that you wanted to share about your experiences cooking with one or things that you've learned? Oh my goodness. Um, I just, for anyone who's, who is feeling like, Oh, I'm not, I'm not a cook. Like I, I don't know how to do that. That's not like my thing. I, it's fine if it's not like your favorite thing, but I just encourage everyone to try to find the joy of cooking and, and the art in it and just not be afraid to mess up because cooking can be such a joy. Even if you don't consider yourself a foodie, I think it can be such a healing and, and exciting process to just create something that you then eat. It's just, there's something about it that I think is really therapeutic. And I, I just would encourage people to, to do, to take small steps towards becoming, um, an at home cook. So that may not be wisdom, but I, that's what I have to say. Oh, that's, I'm, I'm writing it down. (laughs) So I would say so a hundred percent. So I have nothing to add to that. Thanks so much for joining me today, Nicole. Oh, I'm so happy. I got to thank you again for having me. Absolutely. Bye. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to the Table for One podcast with Rebecca. If you're cooking for one or know somebody who is, make sure to subscribe to the Table for One podcast on your favorite podcast app. That way you can stay up to date on new episodes that will help you make cooking for one easier and more enjoyable. Feel free to continue the conversation over at in the Table for One Facebook group. You can also find recipes or work with Rebecca over at nourishnutritionblog.com Or honestly, the easiest way is to follow me on Instagram. My handle is nourishnutrico, and you can click on the link of my profile to get more great resources for cooking for one. Talk to you next week.